0: Will you join me as I pray? Father, in your Son's name, I pray for your words this morning, that they would represent your love and your reputation, that my heart would be submitted to your Spirit and not cling to my own will, but follow yours, that I might speak in a way that introduces you or leads to you. May your reign, your reign God, Increase in me, in your church, and in this world, Lord. Amen. Amen. Three three words will dominate our discussion today. One in Hebrew and two in Greek. But before we get that, I want to say just, just to make sure you know that uh, we enter his courts with thanksgiving in our hearts and his. And enter his courts with praise on our lips. And I don't want you to hear that there's anything wrong with singing or praising God. Matter of fact, they're necessary. But praise and worship are not synonyms. You need to say that very clearly. Praise and worship are not synonyms, they don't mean the same thing. And the words here that we get this, this is a Let me see here. Isaiah 29, 13 tells us the difference. So you have to be really careful. And the Lord says, These people say they are mine, and they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Because of this, I will once again astound these hypocrites with amazing wonders the wisdom of the wise will pass away and the intelligence of the intelligent will disappear. It's possible to sing praises and not have your heart in it. It's possible to come to church for all sorts of reasons, not always the right ones, and it's even possible to misunderstand what church is. We even tell our kids this little story, and I've said this before, right? Here's the church and here's the steeple, open it up. The problem is, is that this is a building and this is the church. And when we focus on the building, we start saying, well, I need to go to church or we might even say, if I go to church, the walls would fall down, I'm so wrong, that things are going on. That's the problem with misunderstanding what the church is, is you think the church is this thing this this artifice, this facade, and we are this, and 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 you might you maybe can't go to church because you tainted or something. I thank so I thank Margo so much for reading that scripture this morning. Right that that the truth of the matter is is that when we think that some sin is worse than other sin, we start to think we don't have very much. And there's no such thing as a person who's been forgiven little. I don't know how else to say this. So I want to say specifically that three words... Form worship in our understanding of the he- of the Bible, and praise is not one of them. Praise is part of that. Um, the Hebrew words for it are Zamar, which is music, or Yada, which are hands raised. Yada, Yada, and Toda, Thanksgiving. Those are not the words we're going to focus on today. Those are important throughout the Bible, that you would do this, that that you would come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise, that that you would raise your hearts to him. But worship is different. Worship is more, and it is both intellectual, body, and spirit. To do that, I'm going to start reading from Isaiah 6. This is on page 1058. It's a very famous passage. It says this In the year that King Uzziah died. Now, I need to tell you that King Uzziah had been king for 50 years, and so for most of the people alive, Uzziah was permanent. Do you you understand what it is? It's sort of outside of our understanding that um, a Could you imagine that we had the same president for 50 years? Right? (laughs) No, we don't understand that. But Uzziah had been king for 50 years. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings and two wings, they covered their faces. And two, they covered their feet. And two, they flew. And they were calling out to each other, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord, heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory." Now, I've spent time talking to you and telling you before that Hebrew doesn't have superlatives. They don't have, they don't have better and best. They repeat. And so, if you were being nice and you were especially nice, they would say you were nice nice. And by the way, if you understand that, then reading the Psalms makes more sense because it has an idea and then it repeats the idea as a way of magnifying the idea. So when God says, or when the seraphim say, holy, 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 it's a category beyond anything that we know. He is so holy that we would use the word holiest and not, and not do this. But they're saying, holy, holy, holy. The earth is filled with his glory. And, and the word we're going to focus on here is this first word, kabod. Kabod. That's the Hebrew word for glory. Now, you might be familiar for the Greek word for glory, doxa. Or doxology, if you, do you remember the doxology? That's something that we would would sing. Doxa is the Greek word for glory, and doxology is a study of glory. That's what that word means, a study of glory. But the Greek idea, and mostly our idea of glory, is sort of the shining aura that just makes everything seem better. Yes? If I say that, the shining aura of that. But that is not about. Uh, the Hebrew understanding of glory is that it, when you give something glory, you give weight to it. It has weight. You recognize its weight. It is solid and permanent. So permanent, in fact, and so solid that that it change it should change our understanding of the created world itself. And this is what happens in this story. So. I want you to hear this story knowing that they're saying the holy Lord, the holiest Lord of the heavens are His whole, the, the whole earth is filled with the weight of him. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Now, if you understand Kabbald as weight and filling this thing, then you understand that instead of The world being shook by an earthquake, the earth is impermanent. It's not solid in comparison to the Lord God. Now, I need to say this very clearly because we think of God as ethereal and sort of, well, he's out there somewhere and he's not. But this is a solid God. You can base your life here. But if you base your life on the building, it can be shook. It can fall down. It can wear out. It cannot last. Kabow. The earth, the voices shook the temple to its foundations. The glory of the Lord took the things that we think is permanent and made them shaky. Just sit with that for a second. The things that you base your life on, if it's not the Lord, it's breakable. then I said, it's all over. I am doomed. I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips, and I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Now, tradition would tell us that Isaiah was a member of the Holy Family, or not the Holy Family, that's the wrong word. I'm sorry, the royal family, and that he was an orator of some ability, and so the very thing that was highly prized in their world, he's now saying, the very thing that I do really well is no good. I have stood in the presence of the Lord, and the things that I think I do pretty good are valueless. Worse than that, they're repugnant to me. I just wish that I could do this. Now, you can almost hear Aaron, Moses' brother, Or Moses saying, how could you send me? I don't speak well. I'm going to make mistakes. I've got a problem. I'm not good enough. Now, have you ever felt that way that God calls you and sends you and maybe you don't think you're good enough? Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. I wanna to stop right here. Do you know what, do you know what? If you're Isaiah at this moment, and and let's, let's just transport ourselves there imaginatively into the temple, and we're sitting there, and our whole world is shooken, right? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the place where I saw him was shaking and filled with smoke and an angel came to me with a coal from the altar and he was going to put it on me. What's going through your head? Terror, right? Do you know what the coal from the altar means? Judgment. Judgment. Judgment is coming and that right soon. Do, you, do, you, do we get the power here? Isaiah thinks that he should not be in this room and he's been caught and because of that, destruction and judgment is on his way. Here's the judgment of God, are you ready? He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal has touched your lips and now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. The things we think about God and the way we take His judgment is so wrong-headed. We have so much new learning to do. New learning. I just see—I see people winking and pointing at each other. Did somebody say? Is, well, is there a conversation I was not learning? about that in Sunday, school. in Sunday school. Yeah. The Lord is on His project, and we are just passers-by. <laughs> And then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. And the Lord said, yes, go and say to these people, listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Harden the hearts of these people, plug their ears and shut their eyes, that way they will not see with their eyes nor hear with their ears. Do you hear the, the, the mission of Jesus unstopping ears and giving eyesight back? Nor understanding with their hearts and t- they would see me and turn for healing. Then I said, Lord, how long will this go on? And he replied, until their towns are empty and their houses are deserted. I'll stop right there. Kabod. The reputation, the weight of permanence, the glory of the Lord its so heavy and so permanent that this thought ought to shake every single thing you think about. You think the earth is permanent and solid, but his glory shakes everything. And so we need to think about that. When we worship on him, there's two Greek words that then are involved here. There's proskuniae and liturgia. Now, you've heard liturgiae. You've heard kind of an English version of that, liturgical or liturgy, liturgy, or something like that. We're going to talk about that next, but proscuniae, we get that. We get the word um, prostate, that that when you lay prostrate in front of the Lord, we get that. You get the woman wiping Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair with no with no concern for her reputation, only that she's in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, and his glory is so valuable that every single thing she thought about herself is over. And she kneels before, behind him and washes his feet and pours perfume over it and kisses his feet because she has been forgiven and allowed into his presence, and because of that, she cannot help but abandon all her reputation. Simon, the one who owned the house, didn't do that. He didn't understand the reputation, but Even Isaiah does this, okay? So you could say, well, when does Isaiah go prostrate before the Lord? He does this right here. He says, it's all over for me. I'm doomed. Literally, the thought here isn't, it's over for me. It is, I am done, done. I am coming apart. I don't deserve to be a human in this position. I should not be here. It's bad for me to be here. I don't belong. It's too holy for me. The thought about this is that, that it takes us to a spot where we acknowledge him and we worship him. We give ourselves up in this way to the one who has paid a price for us that we could not pay, and he took care of it for us when we could not, and we have no hope. Prescunii. But then liturgia comes in, and you and we have a misunderstanding. This is essentially the way we misunderstand glory. We think glory is this airy sort of luminous sort of aura thing that can be sort of dismissed, but but the Hebrew idea of glorious is that it means everything else can be dismissed. Liturgical, we think, well, we don't really go to a liturgical church, and in that way, liturgy means an order of service. So if you go to a church and they do a welcome prayer and they have five songs and then a message and they pray, that's an order of worship. It's not a very detailed one, but it is one. But that is not what this means. This is liturgy in the original term, means service rendered to the one who sent you. And by the way, that's right here in this too. Your guilt is removed. Your cl- and as soon as his guilt removed, he says, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for me? And he says, here am I, send me liturgy, liturgy service. He, is, he has been forgiven and is immediately called into full-blown service. And by the way, I don't know how many of you have thought, well, I don't really enjoy service that much. I don't enjoy working in the, in the church. I don't enjoy this or that. Did you hear what his message was? This is what God asked him to do. Go and talk to these people and never be understood. (laughs) Not a single word you're ever going to say is going to be meaningful to them, and they're going to be tired of hearing you say it, and they're going to get tired of saying it. How long do I have to do that, Lord? Until their cities are abandoned and the walls fall down. you thought the little thing God asked you to do was hard. If if I just, I see Sue smiling over here. That's not like playing the piano at all, is it? (laughs) No. What what about the things you do? Roxanne, that's not about like doing bulletins at all. Bulletins are easy next to that, right? How would you like the ministry of being never understood and disdained? yeah. It doesn't sound like a like a cakewalk to him, but he is solid. God is the solid foundation of every single thing you do and all the other things, the way you get to be famous and have people like you and all of that. Have you figured out yet that people are fickle around you? And that when sometimes they like you and then you do the wrong thing and then it's over, and then they don't they ghost you online and No, if you're going to understand and worship the Lord and come to him, then you understand that every single thing in your life is from him that matters. And the prayer in your heart becomes, I want every single thing from the Lord God Almighty that he has for me, and I don't want what he doesn't have for me because that would be wrong. And I've said this before, I really think then it would be fabulous to have a several other things that are not a part of my life anymore that used to be part of my life, but he doesn't have them for me, and it is okay. I purpose in my heart to settle and be happy, not settle like, oh, that was the wrong word, right? Not to settle for what he gives me, but to, but to pitch my tent, <laughs> in his provision for me and say, this is the place I'll dwell. I will live here as long as he has this for me and if later he doesn't have this for me and he has something else for me, I will accept that and I will worship and I will pour myself out for the Lord who took care of something for me that I couldn't deal with. And now how big and complete was the one thing he did for you? Look he willingly came to earth as a servant and went to the cross and and the night before he was going to the cross he said he said essentially this my heart is troubled should i say to myself lord turn this away from me no it was for this i was born and this i will do and i will go and and he and he He dealt with all the sins. Not the little ones that that you think those are the easy ones to forgive. Oh, of course he forgave those. But I had this one thing I did that I just keep in my heart and it hurts me and it keeps me from coming to God and because there's no way he could have meant that when he forgave me. But he did. He meant All of it. And that one that's keeping you away, that's keeping you from worshiping him and abandoning yourself into his service and his life, he dealt with that one. He essentially said, this is over. There's no need to carry that. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. You're carrying the brick around. I put some bricks in my truck once. I put a pallet of bricks in my truck. Yeah, yeah. I found out later that the pallet of bricks weighed 3,500 pounds, and my three-quarter ton had trouble slowing down and turning. <laughs> <laughs> you can weigh yourself down with burdens that are not yours to carry, but the Lord has handled it. He has the correct suspension and brakes to hold it in place and to stop it, and he stopped it. So what do we do with this? We are called to bear witness to what's been done for us. That's the totality of what we've been called to do in in the witnessing the world, and every person who comes to Christ has this calling, which is to say, he's done stuff for me. Would you like to meet him? And you think witnessing is hard, but all it really is is telling your story and letting people know that they too can come to him. It's not like going, ooh, they're especially bad. today. I don't don't think that person should come to him. No, there's no such thing as an especially bad human. There's only humans, and they all need him. All of them, including the ones who've come. So what do we do? We worship. We we set ourselves in front of him and say, even if you undo me, I'm yours, if that's the future for me. If the future for me is to go and do something like maybe, I don't know, wash dishes for somebody or, or carry a plate away, then it's okay. That is service rendered to the Lord, liturgie, part of your worship. And it is good to worship and follow the Lord in that way. How long? How long should we do this stuff? Until the cities are emptied and the walls fall down. How long? You didn't get a six-month term of service and then then the next 38 and a half years are in the pews sitting here singing songs. No, (laughs) the whole thing is uh, you get called to be in service and to worship the Lord from the moment you meet him and accept him. To the end. How long, O Lord? Until the cities are deserted and the houses are empty. Because otherwise, we're back to Isaiah 29. These people say they're mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Lord God, may it never be that. Lord Jesus, today, as we come into your presence, help us understand the weight of, of your glory is far beyond anything that we would carry, and it shakes us to our core. But when we're shaken, help us turn to you and set our lives there the one permanent thing that we can know. And that's you. In your precious name, Lord. Amen.